Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the second series of the Make You Known podcast. It's great to be back with you. And guess what? We're going in heavy. We are speaking today to the author of books such as Is God Anti-Gay? Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? and Seven Myths About Singleness. He is an editor for the Gospel Coalition and involved in leadership at Emmanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Sam Albury. You can find Sam online at samalbury.com. That's A-L-L-B-E-R-R-Y. And on Twitter at Sam Albury, all one word. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. I've got loads of questions for you and loads of stuff I want to talk about. Um, but before I start blathering away, let's hear a bit from you. Um, could you share a little bit with us about your journey, um, how the 10-year-old Sam Albury came to be, the Sam Albury today, leading churches out in Nashville, writing books with uh, on such topics as singleness, sexuality, and so forth? Yeah, well, when I was 10, I, I, I can't remember what I wanted to be when I was 10, but it certainly wasn't someone involved in Christian ministry. Um, I became a Christian when I turned 18. Um, I We didn't grow up kind of going to church or practicing kind of Christianity in that sort of way. Um, and I, I went back and forth as a teenager as to whether or, or not I believed in God. And then when I was 17, I got to know some, some Christians my age, got on really well with them, actually really respected them. And figured it would be good to find out what they believed and what made them tick. So I went along to their, their church's youth ministry and heard a presentation of the, the message of, of Jesus and realized immediately that it wasn't anything I'd heard before. And that the sort of image I'd grown up with of Jesus was very tepid compared to the Jesus I was hearing about in this church. So was immediately intrigued and felt drawn to him. Um, realized that, that Christianity wasn't about God congratulating good people. It was about God finding lost people and began to realize I was one of those lost people. So it, it all happened very quickly. Um, became a, a Christian just a few within a few weeks of that first meeting, realized that Jesus was someone I wanted to trust my whole life with. Um, someone I knew I could trust my whole life with. And maybe six months after that, I felt called to, to be a preacher. And that was a very unexpected call. I, I had grown up with a, a very deep fear of any public speaking. And so it was not remotely in continuity with anything I'd been planning for my life before that I would end up becoming a, a, a preacher and a pastor. But um, that's, that's felt like my calling um, since, I, since that time to, to strengthen the church in any way that I can. That, that's always been the thing the Lord has, has put on my heart. Um, and here I am several years later, by God's grace, still trying to do the same thing. Great. No, that's fantastic. So thanks for sharing that. And um, so um, often when I speak to people, um, I might quiz, you know, if it's an author about one particular book, but rather than doing that today, I thought we'd look at um, like a, just broadly over the themes that kind of come across in a few of your books. So um, 
they've all been helpful the ones i've i've read and listened to the audio ones to me um personally but one of the things i've noticed is interesting that comes out in all of them is it might sound like the books on a specific topic like singleness but when you read it you realize that actually anyone should probably read that book regardless of whether they're single or not or whatever their relationship status is um so yeah so thanks for writing them because they're really helpful um but it, uh, that's kind of interesting the way it kind of seeps over the boundaries to, for for anyone to um read but um so let's let's kind of go from there straight into the singleness as you you wrote seven myths about singleness um so why why is the topic of singleness something everyone needs to engage with um and churches need to engage with regardless of whether you're a single person or whether you're married yeah it's it's a good question because i think we we tend to assume a book on singleness that must be for single people only um but what the Bible has to say about singleness, it says to all of God's people. Um, and so all of us are called to understand as Christians what the Bible says about singleness. And further than that, every married, you know, half of all married people are going to be single again. Um, actually, more than that, if you factor in divorce as well. So marriage now is not a guarantee that there will never be singleness again in the future. And the best time to think about singleness is, is before you're plunged back into it in what might be a traumatic kind of context. So those are two reasons. And given the church is, is a body and we're all bound up with each other, we, we have a stake in each other. I would hope the non-single people in a church would want to best understand singleness so that they can know how to serve and bless the single people in their church just as as a single person i want to know what i can know to support and honor my married friends um, i've got a stake in their marriages being healthy as a fellow member of the same body of believers and they have a stake in my singleness being being healthy so i think it yeah for those reasons this is something all of us need to to look into and understand yeah 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 I, I i that makes perfect sense so actually I'd, I'd add one more thing as well um if if as i contend we've we've misunderstood a significant amount of what the bible says about singleness it's probably because we've also misunderstood what the bible says about marriage um anytime i meet someone who's got a very skewed view of singleness it's almost always because they've got a very skewed view of marriage so I, these things can't really be looked at in complete isolation. So I, I hope thinking biblically about singleness will also help people think in a more healthy way about marriage too. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair point. And I, I don't know about your kind of experiences growing up and all that kind of stuff. But when I think back on my background, actually, I think a lot of the time it almost neither topic was almost talked about much it was just expected you grow up you get married we don't talk about it and then people yeah. wonder maybe why things go wrong <laughs> yes and i think we, we, we're talking about marriage a lot now the last couple of churches i've been at regularly run marriage retreats and marriage courses and um they, those are great things i've seen them really minister to people and, and help people and, and in some cases save some marriages but it doesn't feel like we're talking about singleness much. Um, and similarly, we, we, there's, there's endless books on marriage coming out, many of them 
extremely fine books that I've been blessed by as a single person, but um, there's just not as much attention given to singleness. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, your book's probably the only one that comes to mind actually when I think about it. So <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's, that's probably given that as, as you write about as well, people like Paul and Jesus were single. Um, those are, that's fairly big, um, you know, kind of flag bearers for that kind of status of something that you can have for, for life. Um, so, um, and in your book, on that you talk about intimacy and you talk about kind of how popular culture suggests that we need uh, sex for intimacy and, and you sort of argue that no we don't but we we need intimacy we don't all need sex but what what does intimacy look like for a single person yeah i think i think the bible this is where the the, the message of the bible is so timely for us because the bible has broader categories of intimacy than we tend to in our culture um <clears throat> excuse me i think in in the bible intimacy really is being deeply known and deeply loved at the same time and that can happen in in different contexts within marriage it happens in a very unique way um but it can be enjoyed outside of marriage in in all kinds of healthy ways that are nothing to do with with romantic attraction and and nothing to do with sex um, in the book of Proverbs, for example, friendship is, is really a soul-to-soul -soul relationship. We tend to think of friendship as being fairly surface level. Maybe it's based around a shared interest or kind of something, something like that. But in, in Proverbs, friendship is, is someone who knows your interiority is what makes them your friend. Uh, Jesus says something similar in, in John chapter 15. He says to the disciples, I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I call you friends because all that the father has made known to me, I have passed on to you, or words to that effect. So Jesus bases the category of friendship on disclosure. I have disclosed to you, that makes us friends. So that, that experience of of letting other people in on what's really going on in your life is what creates intimacy. Um, in 1 John 1 verse 7, um, we're told that if we, as, as the local body of believers, if we walk in the light, as in be honest with each other, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Um, fellowship comes about through the spiritual honesty of, of Christian believers. Um, we tend to think fellowship is just scooping up some Christians and putting them in, a, in the same room as a packet of biscuits. But fellowship actually is when we are really walking in the light with one another, when we're, we are being open with each other, uh, we're being spiritually honest with each other. And the more we do that, actually the more known we feel, the more tangible the fellowship is and the more we are experiencing intimacy. And that can happen in so many ways outside of romantic friendships, um, outside of marriages. So it's something all of us need and the church really should be the place where it is is, is there in, in abundance. And sadly, that is, is often not the case. Yeah, yeah. And just as a like a kind of spin off of that, it, you know, in the Corona season, um, 
is there a way we can still be intimate if we don't live in the same households or is it just we've just got to phone people up is that the, the kind of answer or yeah it's, it's not going to be ideal for sure um i mean there may be some people that we can bubble with um but i think certainly we need to make more effort to to use digital means to connect to catch up to check in with each other um the the means of, of finding intimacy will be restricted with coronavirus, but the need for it will be increased because with the isolation comes temptation and anxiety, mental health issues. All of us are, are kind of a bit corona crazy and all of us need the sanity of, of other people checking in, um, helping us, have, have, hopefully having a a moderating effect on some of that crazy and helping us still feel even if we're not physically with people that we're still known and loved and thought about and able to share our lives with others and long for when we can get back to doing that physically as we as we long to amen <laughs> um yeah for sure and uh, and on a kind of related note um do you think single people should, when they leave their parental home, should they always move in with others, like flat share or that kind of thing, or should they move out, or or, or should they is living alone okay? I mean, do you live alone, or what, what's the situation? Yeah, I think we've got freedom as, as Christians. That's that's really a wisdom issue rather than a, a right wrong issue. Um, people are wired differently. I know some people who who live alone and and it, it works really well for them. They 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 are able to have enough contact with others that they, you know, that being in, being in their own home is fine. Um, I've mainly lived on my own. Currently, I, I have a housemate or two. And for me, actually, I think it's, I'm, I'm discovering it's better to have housemates. Um, so, but I think we, we, we have such very different temperaments. Some people are more introverted and just need space. Others like a bit of company. So, we need relationship, we need intimacy, um, we need community. What that can look like, there's a lot of flexibility over. Um, but certainly if someone is living completely on their own and is finding that difficult, it, it may be worth seeing if there's some way of, of sharing with other people and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, um... For me personally, I've been living on my own for the last few years, and and it's been fine. But actually, it's in in this kind of situation suddenly the cracks have started to appear. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, a very different prospect when having your own place to retreat to is very different to having your own place that you're kind of trapped in. <laughs> um, yes. There's there's times when you're choosing not to see other people, but times when you aren't able to see other people that that's a very different prospect yes yeah agreed um okay cool so let's move on now to um the topic of sexuality which is obviously a you know a big and sometimes controversial and a sensitive topic and i i want to um kind of handle that with the you know respect it deserves and um and as you do in in the books um so um interestingly like when i was reading um is god anti-gay i was quite interested how much i found relevant to me personally like there's just so much about sexual morality and stuff like that which kind of crosses it doesn't really matter 
um, what the sort of orientation is or whatever, but it's kind of relevant across the board, I, I found. And, and so I actually found that helpful in reading that for myself, um, a lot on that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, every every kind of culture has its own um, sense of, of things that are seemly and unseemly. Um, I don't know about you, I'd love to hear your, your perspective on this. Did you hear much teaching on human sexuality prior to sort of 10 years ago? No, I only remember the sex education classes at school, which were sort of more functional or biological. Um, and that was about it, really. Yeah, I, th- I think my, my experience at church was occasionally you'd have the, the relationships talk for the for the youth and the students. And that would primarily be about do's and don'ts when you date and that kind of stuff. It wouldn't really talk about human sexuality more broadly. Um, I think as I was kind of growing up as a Christian, it was assumed that homosexuality was wrong. It wasn't often stated because it was so assumed. It was such a given. Um, But it meant that the the issue of sexuality never really came up other than don't sleep with your girlfriend um, talks to, to the youth. Um, and that, that I think is, is just not healthy because um, if it's not talked about, it's not going to be thought much about, or if it is going to be thought much about, it's going to be thought about without the input of Christian discipleship and teaching, walking in the light, honesty, all of those things. And I know for me, wrestling with, with same-sex attraction it meant I had nowhere to go with that, no one to, to speak to about it, because I didn't know you could talk about it. Um, I didn't know it was okay to, to have this as a temptation. So I think if the, if the Bible is open and talking about something, then let, let's not be more prudish than, than God is. Um, the Bible is very unembarrassed talking about human sexuality, sometimes in quite explicit terms. If you read the Song of Songs and looks like that so we need to be able to talk about these things otherwise we're just going to be discipled by our culture on these things and not discipled by by the lord on these things um and i think there are obviously we're, we're in a a context now where people talk about these things a lot more i still don't think the church is talking about these things healthily enough and broadly enough I think we we may talk about homosexuality enough to denounce it in certain churches, sometimes to offer some pastoral support, which is is needed and, and a good thing to, to speak into. But I, I think the, the broader meaning of sexuality is, is still neglected. Um, it's interesting. I, um, I, was, I was talking with a friend, we were just chatting through some stuff, and I, I said to him, you know, sex outside marriage is a sin. Doesn't mean that all sex within marriage is sinless. But I don't think I've ever heard any teaching from the pulpit applied to, you know, sex within marriage and where, you know, where where there is sinfulness and selfishness and abuse. I think we 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 just assume if you if you're married, you you do whatever you want and everything's on the table. Um, you ever heard anything on that? No, I haven't. That's really interesting, actually. No, I've not. I've not heard anything about that. And you're right. You just assume that anything goes if if you're married. So, 
Yeah, like whereas um, you know, it it should it, just because it's within marriage, that doesn't mean it it's okay for it to be coercive. Um, yes, or abusive, any number of other things. So, I still I still think this whole areas we're just not talking about, and it probably means we're we're not allowing the the light to come in and to expose and refine and, and help us. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things, isn't it, where if something's a little bit awkward, often we'll shy away from it, um, which may be in that immediate moment easier and more pleasant to do, but actually in the long run, maybe more damage is done by not addressing issues. I mean, it's so often in like psychological issues and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? So much damage is done when things are just buried and not dealt with. Yeah, and as you say, it, it's, it's awkward, but then it, it creates far worse awkwardness um, down the road. I think this is an area where our Englishness doesn't serve us well um, because we're not very good at talking about these things. We're not very good at being honest ourselves about what's going on and we're not very good about <clears throat> excuse me, asking other people and, and, and yeah, it's sort of off limits. Yeah. So, yeah, would you be... Um free to share a little bit of your own experiences with um, same-sex attraction and how you kind of found out and, and how did, were you already a Christian at this point and did, did that make, have you ever sort of wanted to walk away from your Christianity through the, through any particular struggle or, or any of that? Yeah. Um, I suppose I, I better be sharing now. I've, I've talked about the need for us to be honest with each other. Um, so I, I began to, it took me, I'm, I'm a slow learner. Um, it took me a while as a teenager to even realize that I was attracted to guys and not attracted to girls. I wasn't a Christian at that time. And this was in the early 90s and we just weren't talking about these things culturally. So the categories weren't sort of already there and on the table and easily accessible. And, you know, so it took me a long time to realize that I had very deep romantic feelings for one of my best friends in high school. Um, it then took me a while of time to realize that that was, you know, that's what it was to, to in the language I had available at the time, it, that's what it was to be gay, um, to have sexual romantic feelings for other men rather than for, for women. And that penny finally dropped probably, I think when I was 17, I remember sort of thinking, you know, I'm gay. That's what this is. That's what these feelings are. And was, as I said, I became a Christian very soon after that. And I'm very grateful to God's timing because I never really had the opportunity to explore same-sex relationships. I never really had the opportunity to get into things that I would now grieve as a believer. Um, so I think the Lord has spared me a lot of heartache um, just in finding me when he did. Um, and then obviously as a disciple, again, I'm, I'm very grateful that it was people's conversions can, can vary from one person to the next. For me, the overwhelming thing was this man who has shed his blood for me and risen again for me, I really can trust. And so I had no idea what, what discipleship would look like, given my, my sexual feelings. I had no idea what the, the costs would be, what the challenges would be. But I'm really grateful that I always knew 
that whatever it was, it would be okay because it's Jesus and I can trust him. So I was fairly biblically illiterate at that point, um, but I was really clear that you can trust Jesus. And so whatever he says is okay because it's him. So then when I did begin to sort of piece together the Bible's teaching on sexuality, actually, I didn't find myself kicking against it. Um, because I was already willing to have a Jesus who said challenging things to me. Um, now, I've, I've wrestled with it in the sense of wanting to, to understand it as well as I can and to listen to all the various other interpretations that are, are kind of offered um, from time to time and, and to make sure I'm not missing something and, and honouring the text as well as I can do. Um, there have been some moments when I've been uh, I've been frustrated with, with God's sovereignty, um, as ridiculous as that is. Um, I had assumed early on in my Christian life that God would just take the feelings away and enable me to meet a girl and, and marry and settle down and all of those things. So when I realised that didn't seem to be happening, I remember going through a season of, of feeling resentful towards God about that. Um, so it, it took me a while to learn to see the goodness of God even through the presence of an unwanted temptation um, and to see you know the, the goodness of, of remaining single um, I wouldn't have chosen to do that if I'd had the opportunity to to marry a, a woman so a lot of good things have, have come out of that but I've, I've never felt like I want to walk away from the faith. Um, there, there have been times when I've, I've yearned for, I've yearned for a boyfriend. Um, I felt those longings within me and that's been painful because they're, they're, they are longings that are there and they're longings I don't want to have. <laughs> and I'm trying to, um, you know, mortify and bring to the cross and, and all of those things. So there are seasons when it can be very painful. And there are seasons where it's it's actually great fun being being single and using those opportunities to serve in ways I wouldn't be able to if I was married. Um, so there, there have been ups and downs for sure, but then pastoral ministry has has shown me that's the case for everybody in any state of life and, and marriage is not um, the end of all the problems of singleness it's just an introduction to some of the, the struggles and strains of, of marriage so there are ups and downs for all of us whatever our marital status happens to be yeah well I don't know what the question was but I hope I answered it <laughs> you did you did there was there was quite a lot of um points in there that um would be kind of that I could uh, unpack or, or ask you to unpack rather than I can probably unpack them but um but yeah thank you for sharing that stuff um and um you, yeah, I'm not you, you, you live alone you're single yes yeah so and presumably you've you found similarly there are some aspects of that that are frustrating or painful and aspects that are actually great opportunities Yes. Yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, I can certainly relate to some of the stuff you said there about unwanted longings and all of that kind of stuff. Like, um, 
sometimes when you know and it might be you know um in my context it might not be uh same sex attraction but it might be someone who is not a christian or you know and i know that's not a wise path for me to go down but the opportunity is right there and yeah. it's it's just painful um so um it is, yeah. it is easy to, to find yourself having strong feelings for someone the bible says you can't marry um it's just one of those things we've got to learn to to fight with as 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 believers and and keep trusting the goodness of god in all of these things yeah uh, exactly yeah so what you said about trusting um just the trust you have in jesus i thought that was very powerful um and and i i can kind of relate to what you spoke to as well about you've had a sort of periods of resentment almost or a period of resentment um which sort of leads me on to um a couple of things you you wrote in um is is god anti-gay and you said um uh let me read the quote um so i don't get it wrong um you said it is jesus who satisfies our deepest emotional and spiritual needs and again i i uh 100% agree with that but sometimes how do we discern between facts and feelings because sometimes i know that as an objective truth and yeah. fact but in the moment of loneliness or whatever it can be very hard to you you feel like you just need a physical presence around um yeah um, yeah, it's it's a it's a significant question, and there's there's comfort in seeing many instances in the Bible of people whose feelings were not matching what they understood to be spiritual reality. And so we we've got many psalms where the psalmist is is going through exactly that and just bringing this experience to the Lord of saying, "I know you've said you're like this, and that these things are true, but right now it doesn't feel that way." and it's it's not abnormal to experience that disjunction as a Christian. Um, the fact that we have people in the Bible um, inspired scripture articulating that experience is actually very comforting to us. Um, it, it, does, it means that it's not a sign our entire Christianity has gone off the rails. Um, it's part of living by faith. It's part of trusting a God that we can't yet see and trusting in promises that have not yet been completely fulfilled. Um, there, there's, we've got more than nothing to go on, but we don't yet have all the things that, that we know the Lord has for us. And so there's pain in that. Um, and yeah, there, there are seasons where we will be lonely in this world because it's a fallen world that cannot meet all of our needs. Um, and I've, I've even seeing that with, with married friends articulating that, that actually even, even a healthy marriage is not going to meet every need that we carry. Um, there are just some pains in this world that we will never be fully relieved of until we're in the age to come. But in the meantime, and this is something I keep coming back to, that the, the Jesus who is our saviour also calls us his, also calls himself our bridegroom. And that is a very, very significant clue as to where we are going to find that ultimate sense of completion and satisfaction. Hmm. Yeah, 
No, that that's um, and and just um, off the back of that, do you do you have any go tos of what you do in those scenarios when when it's a, a difficulty? Um, do you have any kind of standard plans? Yeah, or... I mean that's when that's when good, healthy, and deep friendships really, really start to make a difference. And just to have people that can walk with me through that, who will understand and strengthen and encourage me through that, it's where there are. Are certain passages that really become very, very significant. Um, there is, depending on the type of season I'm in, there are certain scriptures I will keep coming back to. Um, Matthew 11, where Jesus talks about, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And it can, there can be a weariness to it. Um, there can be a heavy ladenness to it. Uh, there can be distress to it. Um, so there are there are some key scriptures that can really minister to us in those times as well. Um, if I'm feeling just, you know, the the accusations coming um, from within, then Romans eight one now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even for this crazy sinner right here right now, there is no condemnation. Um, however, off the charts, my feelings may may seem to be that day. However, crazy some of those yearnings may be. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no ifs and buts to that. If I'm in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. So, different aspects of those of those trials can be ministered to. I find in different scriptures, and, and certainly having having real fellowship. A healthy intimacy actually is is going to make a big difference too. Yeah, for sure. No, that's helpful. Um, so just before we move on to our quickfire uh, questions, because I realise we're a little bit time for time, um, I just wanted to draw a couple attention to a couple of points you made, almost just for the benefit of our listeners more than and viewers more than more than anything else. In in the, um, I think it was in the book. Does why does God care who I sleep with? Which I thought were really helpful, and. It's like the contemporary culture, you, you make the point that basically contemporary culture's um, sort of criticism of the Christian view on the whole topic of sex and sexuality has a couple of blind spots in it, in that um, it kind of, you know, there's there's the point about the whole the love is love thing, um, whereas actually, I think you made the point quite well, that love isn't just love, like the way you, I love my mother, I love my wife, I love my dog i love hot dogs they're not all the same and there is an appropriate kind of differentiation between types of of love which is i think yeah just a very succinct point to make and and helpful i think for people to hear um and also that actually the biblical view it takes a very high view of sex and it and that's why it guards it because it respects it's not anti-sex it is just like these things are important and therefore we need to look after them so yeah i just thought i'd paraphrase those points you made i hope those are that's an accurate paraphrase of of what you've written that sounds familiar <laughs> because i i thought that was helpful to know and i just trust that people um listening and watching will find that helpful too um so yeah so let's let's um move on to our um quick fire questions now um so firstly um what one thing do you know now that you wish you'd known as a 20 year old 
I, I, there is a beauty to Christ that I hadn't begun to fathom when I was 20 years old. Um, there's a goodness to him that I had barely scratched the surface of. So I knew Jesus was right when I was 20 and that I needed to conform to whatever he, he told me to. I don't think I'd really, in the depths of my heart, realised how good he is. And that would be something I'd love to tell my 20-year-old self is just look at his goodness. Get into that right now because that will carry you through so many other things that, that could otherwise be a, a way of stumbling. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, so could you tell us what is the gospel in one minute or, you know, what, what, what is Christianity just in a, in a couple of sentences? Yeah, Christianity, as I said earlier, is, is, is God finding lost people and giving us the greatest things he has to give, even though we don't deserve them at all, giving us life in his son, giving us complete forgiveness of all of our sins, uh, taking broken-hearted sinners and drawing them into his own life and, and family, um, adopting us. So it's it's just so wonderfully all of God's grace. Um, he doesn't wait for us to be interested or worthy or facing the right direction or beginning to be obedient. He comes to us in our greatest need with his greatest generosity and gives us the greatest thing he has to give, which is life in Jesus Christ. All brought about through through Christ's coming, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Great. Um, so what would be your top book recommendation uh, other than the Bible? That, that will change from, from time to time. I would I'd recommend, if it was like a desert island thing, something like a, the New Bible Commentary. But um, at the moment, uh, one of my favourite books is, and I'm not alone in saying this, is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, which just is a, a wonderful exposition of the heart of Jesus towards us in all of our need and in all of our craziness. Jesus says his heart is gentle and lowly towards us. And it just draws out some really overlooked, um, beautiful biblical themes. So that would be my my top book at the moment. Great. Have you read it? I, no, I haven't. So I will now look at it. I, I make a point of anyone who recommends a book. I have a list. I put it on it. And I probably will either read it or get the audiobook version at some point. So um, it's... As soon as I read it, it, it was immediately in my top three or four Christian books I've ever read. Love it. Um, yeah, very, just a, amazing, really amazing. Books can be so so kind of transformational, can't they, in terms of your your um, view on things? And I'm actually, I know you read, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, that what, what's been transformational, I think about that book for so many of us, is it's, it's, the, it's the side of the gospel we really don't believe. That God might actually, God might actually like us. Um, yes. 
I think we we still operate with it. Yeah, I kind of know I'm forgiven, but he still rolls his eyes every time I wake up each morning kind of thing. And it, it just shows you how extraordinarily for us, God is in Jesus Christ. Um, and I need that on repeat. I love the sound of that. Yeah, no, that sounds really, really helpful. Um, yeah, and I know you referenced Tim Keller in a couple, you're, you're, or you know him anyway, and... Um, I, I was just saying to someone the other day, actually, that I'm really grateful to Tim Keller. Like, just when I feel like I'm losing the plot slightly and the whole world's losing the plot, I feel like there's this calm, rational voice that just explains Christianity in our cultural context. And I'm just so grateful yeah, it, for those books. It's like all the kids are, are kind of playing up and then, you know, Dad just walks into the room and speaks sense to everybody. Um, yeah, what a gift he is. Yes, exactly. Um so, and then um, finally, if you could send any uh, a tweet-sized message to 18 to 30-year-olds today, what would it say? If they're not believers, it would say something to the effect of, and I'm, I'm borrowing from Glenn Scrivener here, if God was to exist, wouldn't you want him to be just like Jesus Christ? I've heard Glenn say something to that effect a couple of times. It's just such a, it's just, just such a great comment. So I'm, I'm stealing from him. I'm, it's a retweet. That's great. No, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. And what about um, if you were sending one to Christian, young Christian adults? Um, it would be some paraphrase of taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, uh, just we will never find beauty and joy in the way that it can be found in Jesus Christ yeah so let's just well, look at him and see what he's like and if you if you ever want just on the back of that if you ever like want a kind of fresh impression of him and you're feeling a bit dry or whatever do you what do you just read the bible or or how do you or do you just ask him or what's what's the because that's i sometimes feel that position where i'm like i know how good he is and all this stuff but i'm just not feeling it right now and i, I want to feel it right now yeah um, all of the above uh so yeah I, I i pray for for a fresh kind of awakening to that a face a fresh taste of it um uh, one of the things i'm doing at the moment um is i'm i'm reading through Mark's gospel with with a 17-year-old family friend and it's his first time reading a gospel um I've 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 always thought I knew Mark's gospel well but I'm trying to read it through his eyes and as if I don't know anything and it turns out I don't um and I'm I'm seeing I feel like I'm reading it for the first time again and rather than going, oh, yeah, this is the bit where I know that this happens and then this is what it means, I'm thinking, I'm starting to notice details that I've never noticed before. And he will say, hey, why does Jesus do that? And I'll, I'll sort of go, oh, yeah, I never even noticed that he did that. So that's helping. Reading with other people can help. And, and even just reading on our own, but thinking, let's just park everything I thought I knew and start again and see what it has to say. That can really help. Nice, nice. Thank you. So um, any last thoughts, any any final things you want to get off your chest before we wrap up? 
No, I'm grateful for this this time. It's been it's been great to, to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And are, are you working on any books at the moment? Or yeah, I just um, f- recently finished a book about uh, it's on it's on what the Bible says about our bodies, um, and that comes out in June, I think. Um, which I've been sort of trying to think through for for a while. Um, I think it's something that lies behind a lot of the issues that we're wrestling with and confused by both inside the church and outside the church today. So just trying to walk through what the Bible says about our physical bodies. That sounds really good, actually, and and quite novel. So look forward to that. Maybe we could have another chat about that. I mean, there's so much more I could talk to you about, but um, thank you anyway so much just for your time. And um, My pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, stay safe out there. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening or watching to today's episode of the Make You Known podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube uh, or on other any of the other major podcasting platforms so that you don't miss an episode. Also, if anything you heard today struck you as particularly relevant or useful, um, you can probably guarantee that one of your friends or family or whatever will also find that particularly relevant or useful. So why not grab a link, copy and share it to them? Uh, Or likewise, if you found anything particularly noteworthy or kind of you have a different opinion or thought on a certain topic, why don't you get in touch? You can drop a comment in the comment section if you're on YouTube or otherwise you can go and head on over to www.makeyouknown.co.uk where you can get in touch with us direct there. We are also on Instagram at make underscore you underscore known. Yeah.